turn with me in God's Word to the book of Psalms. Psalm 119 is found on page 707 of the Pew Bible. Psalm 119, we're looking at verses 89 to 96. As I said this morning, this is our Psalm of the Month, Psalm 119, verses 89 to 96. Let's listen. This is God's Word. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Well, we live in a world of uncertainty. Benjamin Franklin famously said, in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. And Franklin was speaking about the uncertainty of the U.S. Constitution, that although it seems secure, it could not be assumed. And that's definitely seen in today in our country, as it is very divided. And there are many other uncertainties in our world as well. There are many changes that are taking place, whether it's to do with our economy, or to do with the debt crisis, the environment, and the concern for electric cars, or no cars at all whether it's Russia or China being too aggressive or the U.S. being too weak in response, whether it's the fear of the next pandemic or the next food scare that leaves the world paralyzed. But uncertainty could be even more personal. Perhaps you are facing uncertainty in your life right now. It could be work difficulties. It could be family pressures. It could be a decline in your health. And the psalmist in Psalm 119 is facing uncertainty. In the previous section of Psalm 119, we notice how his uncertainty came from persecution. Evil men were persecuting him. In desperation, it was palpable. So much so that Spurgeon described that section of Psalm 119 as the midnight of the psalm. The psalmist was at his darkest point. And yet the psalmist knew to cling on to God's word. Well, today we come to the next section. We are at the halfway mark of the psalm. And just like in a sports game, it can be a game of two halves. The locker room speech can motivate a team to completely reverse their misfortune so that they turn the game around and win. Well, the psalmist helps us see how he copes with the uncertainty that he is going through. And it's not that his circumstances have changed. We still read of wicked men waiting for him. But he instead focuses on what is certain. 
And it's not just death and taxes that are certain. We also see that God's word is certain. And so I want you to notice that God's word is certain. It sustains the world and it sustains you. And so in this world of uncertainty, you are to hold on to Christ, the word. So firstly, you're to see that God's word sustains the world in verses 89 to 91. So Psalm 119, as you know, is all about God's word. The qualities that belong to God, therefore, must belong to his word. God is forever, and so his word is forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. God's word continues. It continues to speak today, even though it was written 2,000 years ago. And yet over the last 2,000 years, God's word has been attacked over and over again. Various people have tried to undermine God's word. They have questioned the historicity of the Bible. They've tried to change the meaning of the Bible. They've explained away the miracles of the Bible. And yet after all these attacks, they've been found wanting. And the Bible still stands as strong as ever. Many rulers and authorities have tried to ban the Bible. They have restricted access to the Bible. And yet the demand is so strong by the people that the people are willing to go to great lengths to get God's word. And so God's word continues. His word endures. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I surely I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Jot or tittle, these are tiny marks in the Hebrew language. They're not even letters, but they will not pass it away. And Jesus compares this to the world. This world is going nowhere. Why? Well, it has been established by the word of God. As God's word stands, so does this world. God spoke the creation into being. And we can read of this in the creation account. And the result is the creation is secure. And we see a description of this world in the first three verses of the psalm, or the section of the psalm. We read that God's word has fixed the heavens. God's word has established the earth. The heavens and the earth, they are standing. They are continuing all as a result of God. I'm busy planting flowers and bushes to have the garden looking good before my parents arrive. My folks, they're all about the garden. They're not as interested in the house. And so will my plants look established? Will they be firmly fixed? Will they continue to stand? Well, we'll see. They are depending on me on watering them and caring for them. And I can't control the deer that might devour it, and so this garden may be temporary. The earth, however, it is strong. It is secure. And that's because God didn't simply make the world. He continues to sustain the world. He's not the watchmaker who winds up the clock and then goes nowhere near it. No, he sustains this world. This world will not pass away. Now, Hollywood loves disaster movies. We love watching this world being hit by asteroids, 
being flooded as a result of global warming, destroyed by a zombie apocalypse because of some variant vaccine. Now, it's not that natural disasters don't happen. They do, but they're not on the scale of what Hollywood depicts. The world will continue. And Ash says in his commentary, the world is as it is because the Word is as it is. The eternal Word, Jesus Christ, that made the world, keeps the world. And Paul speaks of Christ in Colossians 1, 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Hebrews speaks of Christ upholding all things by the word of his power. Even after the flood, we read of a covenant that God made with the earth. Genesis 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. God has promised to sustain this world. And we see why God made and sustains this world in verse 91. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. The ESV puts it this way. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. The world is a servant. God is the master. And so this world serves God by bringing to him glory. The spacious heaven declares the glory of our God. Ash says this creation doctrine means every atom in the universe serves the will and purpose of the covenant God. And so our world continues, albeit not perfectly. Romans 8, we read of the world groaning as a result of the fall. And it looks forward to being free from the bondage of decay. We were looking for cars the other day, and we were on a website that specializes in selling cars that have heel damage. And the slogan for the company is, Imperfect Cars for an Imperfect World. Well, you can tell it's Christians who own this place. Well, our world is imperfect, but yet it is still subject to God the Creator. And Jesus, in his ministry, he demonstrated the renewal of creation when he healed the sick, when he removed demons. The world serves him. And this was very clearly seen when Jesus calmed the storm. Remember, his disciples asked, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? For he calmed the storm simply by saying a word, telling the storm to be still. And so we can look forward to when this world is renewed. We can have confidence in Christ that he will renew this world. His miracles were simply a preview to this redeeming work. God is faithful, as we see in verse 90. He has been faithful in sustaining this world, and he will continue to be faithful in sustaining this world. And so the result is the world remains established. It stands first, stands fast. Ash writes in his commentary how this is in sharp contrast to the psalmist himself. Remember in the previous section of the psalm how the psalmist is feeling weak and fragile? 
And Ash writes, he certainly does not stand firmly fixed in the heavens. He's very much on earth, in the dust, nearly dead. And yet he holds on to this word, firmly fixed in the heavens. So no matter how evil man is, or even Satan and his destructive work, they cannot destroy the heavens and the earth. So you're not to fear the uncertainty in this world. The created world, the heavens and the earth, will continue to be stable. The other day I brought a shovel and it came with this lifetime guarantee. Well, here's God's word. It is a guarantee. You are to rely upon it. And you're to do this even when it's not acceptable to do so. And this becomes really apparent in the supposable conflict between the Bible and science. Many want to say the Bible is anti-science. But the reality is the opposite. Scrivener writes, we can study the Bible to know God, and we can study the world to know God's handiwork. The two are not incompatible. Actually, the Bible explains how God has made us to ask questions, to make discoveries in this world. It also explains our, our fallenness, and how that has an influence on in how we approach science. So rather than science shaking your faith, faith it is instead it confirms God's word, that God's word sustains this world. And so your confidence should continue to be in God's word. Well, secondly, I want you to notice that you're to see God's word sustains you in verses 92 to 95. You're to see God's word sustains you. So the psalmist believes that without God's word, he would have perished in his affliction. We read that in verse 92. It is God's word that sustains him. God's word gives him life in verse 93. So remember how the psalmist is facing affliction from those seeking to persecute him. Verse 95, we read that the wicked, those who were afflicting him, they were waiting to destroy him. They were ready to harm him, waiting even to do it. And so this was a sustained attack. Well, how did the psalmist keep going? What was it that gave him strength? James Montgomery Boyce tells us what got him through his afflictions was his lifelong habit of reading, marking, learning, meditating upon, spiritually digesting, and above all, obeying God's law. So yes, it's important to go to God in your troubles by praying to him. But you're also to meditate on his word. Recognize, as Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So just think of Paul who was put under house arrest. And yet the word of God made him thoroughly equipped for every good work. We read of him trusting in God's purposes. He recognized that God is sovereign. And so he submitted to God and what God was doing in his life. Even those who were preaching out of competition, Paul was able to say, what does it matter as long as Christ is proclaimed? Well, the psalmist likewise, in his persecution, 
he considers God's testimonies in verse 95. So although his enemies are watching him, the psalmist, he is focused on God. He's attentive to God's word. But too often we get preoccupied. In hardship, we become anxious. We become paranoid. Now, a few of us are being attacked in the same way the psalmist was facing. But what is real to us are the attacks and the temptations from the devil. He makes you doubt God's word. That's why he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say that you are not to eat of the tree in the center of the garden? He tells Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. And he likewise causes you to doubt. He causes you to doubt your salvation. He causes you to question whether you are a child of God. That's why verse 94 is so important. The psalmist writes, I am yours, save me. And so the psalmist, he points to the truth that we belong to God. One of the biggest problems in our society today is this feeling of not belonging. People now feel estranged from their communities. There are many factors to this. We are increasingly living isolated lives where we don't know our neighbors. People are working from home, shopping online. Interaction with people is becoming increasingly limited. And so people feel they don't belong. And as a result, there is depression and anxiety. Well, the child of God, he does belong, and he belongs in the most intimate relationship. And you as a believer, you too belong to God. You are in a relationship with him. It's an unbreakable bond, like a husband and a wife belong to one another. So you belong to God. But this bond doesn't end at death. It continues forever. For when you belong to God, you are his. You are therefore saved. You are delivered. The psalmist is saved from these wicked people. We too are delivered from Satan's power. Randy Newman puts it well when he says, We have been saved, past tense, from the penalty of sin. We are saved, present tense, from the power of sin. And someday we will be saved, future tense, from the presence of sin. That's why the psalmist has confidence that he belongs to God, and yet also the confidence to cry out for salvation. Spurgeon describes it this way, a comprehensive prayer with a prevailing argument. If we are confident that we are the Lord's, we may be confident that he will save us. And so you must respond to the devil's attacks in the same way that Jesus responded when Satan tempted him. Matthew 4, verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, you can be confident that God will save you. As the word of God sustained Christ, God's word sustains you. And the psalmist, he's simply agreeing to this. Therefore, it's important, as the psalmist says in verse 92, to delight in God's word. Otherwise, you would have perished in your affliction. And so Ash writes, our imperfect and variable experience of Bible delight 
is evidence that we really do walk in covenant relationship with a God whose word holds firm the world. And therefore, this delight assures us of our ultimate safety. And this is clearly seen in the lives of those who have been holding on to Scripture throughout their years. One of the the blessings of the midweek prayer meeting is listening to the prayers of the older saints when they pray. As they recall Scripture, you can tell that they have lived the Scripture out, that those words were a means of comfort. They were words of strength when they were weak. God's Word has sustained them. And so no wonder they find it as a delight. And that delight comes from meditating on God's Word. It comes from listening to sermons preached every week. It doesn't happen overnight. And so young people especially, maybe you're struggling with this. You feel like you're doing lots of learning. There is scripture memorization. There is Sunday school. There is a church service twice on a Sunday. There is family worship. Well, in time, you will see that this time in God's word will strengthen you. It will enable you. It will enable you to persevere and keep going. And so I encourage you to work hard to make sure you know and you understand God's word. So you're to see that God's word sustains you. Well, thirdly, I want you to notice in this world of uncertainty, you're to hold on to Christ the word. And this is from verse 96. In this world of uncertainty, you're to hold on to Christ the word. Verse 96 is the climax to this section. The psalmist writes, I have seen the consummation of all perfection. Or in ESV, I have seen a limit to all perfection. The psalmist recognizes that there is a limit to everything here on earth. Even though it seems to be perfect, no matter what it promises, it will never deliver to the degree that you hope it will. Enoch Powell, a famous British politician, said every political biography ends in failure. Isn't that true? After a while, even the most popular politician becomes unpopular. That's why it's best to die in office. Even the greatest sporting heroes, they will end in failure. Someone stronger, someone faster will come along. Every musician has a finite career, for there will be another musician that produces a new song that will captivate people so that the other musician is simply forgotten. Every human project, it ends in failure. Kidner writes of verse 96, this verse could well be a summary of Ecclesiastes, where every earthly enterprise has its day and comes to nothing. We're only in God and in his commandments do we get beyond these frustrating limits. And so Kidner is recognizing how in Ecclesiastes, the writer says, all is vanity in this earth. And can't we testify to this truth? There is nothing on this earth that will satisfy us, that will give us meaning. Kids demonstrate this so clearly at Christmas time with their presents. They're so excited for that time of opening their presents and getting time with them. But isn't it amazing how short a time it actually is before they're looking for something new? 
Kidner also recognizes the final line in verse 96, but your commandment is exceedingly broad, meaning it is without limit. While there are limits to what we find in this world, God's word is not limited. It is broad. You can continue to mine God's word and you keep finding blessing upon blessing. That's why our confidence is to be in the word. Well, the word It ultimately speaks of Jesus Christ, for he is the one whom the prophet Isaiah says, the increase of his government, there will be no end. There is no limit to him. His position, it does not end in failure. He continues to rule and he will rule forever. This is Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it is in him that you are secure. That's why in this world of uncertainty, you are to hold on to him. You are to build your life on him. Only in him are you completely secure. Ash says about the word of God, it is the foundation of the new creation in which the curse of death will be no more. It is as if God says, you can go anywhere you like, but you will never get outside the sphere where my commandment rules. This maybe sounds threatening, But actually, it's not. It's a blessing. When you hold to God's word, you know his blessing. We see his blessing in his word when he gives us marriage, a foundational building block for society. And when this foundation is hammered away, we see the breakdown of society. We see God's blessing in that he gives us the Lord's day, one of the commandments, a day to rest. And in this world full of anxiety and depression, it misses a Sabbath rest and cries out for it. But the most obvious blessing is seen is that in him we are safe. We are secure, both in life and in death. The Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way very clearly. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life, and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. So God's word is certain. It sustains this world. It sustains you. And so in this world of uncertainty, hold on to Christ the word. Steve Hamster's father passed away about a month ago, and Cindy was recounting to me the one thing her father-in-law wanted to know from his grandchildren was where they write with God. That was what he saw as most important. There's nothing else in this world, not academic success, not riches, not even marriage or family, but that is what is most important, that you are right with God. For only God's word is certain. It sustains his world, it sustains you. And so in this world of uncertainty, You are to hold on to Christ, the word. Amen. Let's pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that your word made this world and upholds this world. And so we don't need to be afraid, but we can continue to trust you. We thank you for your word to sustain us. Too often we are weak, and it's because we are not in your word. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us a hunger for your word, that we would be sustained, and that we would stand firm in you. We thank you for Christ, the ultimate word, whose dominion has no end. In him we know blessing after blessing. And so, Lord, help us to live our lives on him and for him. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close our service singing this psalm, Psalm 119L. Psalm 119L, remember, God's word is certain. It sustains this world, and God's word, it sustains you. And ultimately, remember that Christ is the word. And so in this world of uncertainty, you are secure in him. So let's stand and sing Psalm 119L.